Welcome everyone to episode 154 of the Reds Unrestricted podcast. I'm your host David Comerford and I'm joined by Chris Coughlin to discuss Liverpool's 3-1 win over Wolves. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. So the fears about the 12.30 kickoff after the international break looked like they were going to be realised here Liverpool going 1-0 down within seven minutes thanks to Juanqui Chan. But thankfully, Liverpool really came out of the blocks firing in the second half. They levelled it in the 55th minute through Cody Gakpo and then found the winner, or what they thought was the winner originally, through Andy Robertson with five minutes of normal time remaining. And then Harvey Elliott with a deflection from Hugo Bueno, making sure of the points in stoppage time. And it's interesting now how you don't necessarily fret as much about the clock running down in these games because you know you're going to get a big chunk of, of added time and Liverpool actually had a couple of chances to make it more comfortable on the scoreline but certainly in the match itself it was a very very hard fought victory so as usual let's begin with the three-head match review Chris um, we're going to break down the, the first half and the second half in detail in a second but yeah just your three words and your overriding summary of that game please well Dave I'll go with digging deep again um last few seasons or certainly the last season or so going behind has unfortunately been a trait that Liverpool have succumbed to on an all too regular basis certainly last season Um, and you don't want to have the experience of it but it feels like this Liverpool team are able to battle better than they did at last at times last season Um, it wasn't a good start at all, and you say we'll we'll touch on it more in detail, but it just felt there was more about there's more about the team now to be able to deal with those kinds of scenarios, and nothing really phases them an awful lot. It could and should have been two 0 with that massive chance for Mateus Cunha, but after that, it felt like a bit of a turning point because I thought Liverpool showed excellent composure, excellent control after that moment. Didn't really let Wolves in behind after that chance for Cunha. And ultimately, I think anybody watching the game, they they might say a two-goal win was a little bit more than was warranted, but I don't think many can argue that Liverpool ultimately deserved the three points at Molyneux this afternoon. Yeah, I definitely think. I mean, I saw someone on Twitter say that you know Liverpool scraped the the undeserved win, and, and that was a Liverpool fan saying that. But but for me, the the level of of domination in the second half merited the, the victory in the end, even if Wolves unquestionably were, were the better side by a decent margin in the first half. Uh, my three red review is second half transformation. Obviously, you know that's pretty self explanatory. The one thing I tweeted after the game, and I think you kind of alluded to it there, Chris, is you know. Liverpool found themselves in a very similar situation to that multiple times last season. And I think they lose that game or draw that game 10 times out of 10 last year. But but this, yeah, time, I agree. this time they found a way to come back and they've actually gone behind in three of their first five games um, and managed to win all of them, which is as many comeback wins as they had in the Premier League for the whole of last season. And I think the point you make about, you know, the the mentality and fighting back, what's interesting is, you know, we've come to know this Jurgen Klopp team in recent years as these mentality monsters who can overcome these moments of adversity. But 
really look at look at the side today. I mean, you've got a debutant in Kwanzaa. We'll talk about him later. You've got you know Matip playing. You've got Gomez playing. It's a pretty makeshift back four today. You know, loads of new midfielders involved. Um, even in attack, you know, most of the players have arrived quite recently too. So it's not necessarily you know those core components of that maybe title win inside, which built that reputation, but that identity that the team has, which obviously they lost last season, looks like they might be rediscovering it this year. And it remains to be seen, obviously, how big a feature kind of the comebacks are this year. But certainly the the mentality and the the resilience of the group looks very strong at the moment. Um, Chris, how did you read the first half and the flaming uh, the flaming dumpster that that might have been? <laughs> Oh, that's one way to put it. Um, again, kind of going kind of on the line of what we were talking about in terms of Liverpool going behind on all too regular basis last season. That it was down to slow starts last season. Um, and it felt like that again. Um, I said to a few friends after Huang's goal, it had been coming. And the game was only seven minutes old. And that it was just kind of the way that um, Pedro Neto was able to get down that Wolves left hand side, Liverpool's right hand side. Gomez oof, just he had a very, very tough opening 45 minutes, it has to be said. And I know he's not nailed on these days, Joe Gomez, but even so, you would expect him to defend a bit better than what he did overall. Um, I'm thinking certainly obviously for, for the cross to the Cunha goal as well, but just how direct Neto was allowed to be against him. Um, in the first half as well, um, I know you've said, Dave, that you maybe might be in a bit of a minority when you say you want to see more from Alexis McAllister. I refuse to blame him for his performance in the first half because earlier this week, the lad was playing in a stadium that's 12,000 feet above sea level before facing the best part of a 6,000-mile trip home and shouldn't have had to have faced starting the game. Now, what that says about Klopp's real kind of thoughts about Endo at the moment, despite his excellent form for Japan over the international break, um, maybe he just does feel he's not ready at the moment. And McAllister clearly looks like to be the, the, the starting choice number six at the moment. But McAllister shouldn't have been forced into playing that first 45 minutes because it just it just didn't look right. He looked a little bit over the place. Early booking didn't help, of course. Um, and the changes obviously helped massively. But there was very, very few positives to take from that first half, apart from the late chance at the end that you felt Liverpool were getting into the game. And thankfully, they turned it all around in the second half. Yeah, as we'll come on to in a second. Um, let's talk about McAllister first of all, then just picking up what, what you said. I mean, obviously he comes off a hard time in this game and I fully take your point with the the long-haul travel that he's had to do. And I think you make a very interesting comment as well about, about Endo, which surprised me. I mean, it surprised me, to be honest, against Aston Villa before the international break, just because I don't see McAllister as a natural number six. Um, not not on his own, certainly. With, with, with a pivot alongside him, yeah, like like, a, like <coughs> Kai Sado like yeah. last year. But on his own, 
it's 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 not where you want Alexis McAllister. Yeah, you need like people like look at you know the the team sheets or whatever, and they're like, oh, McAllister played X amount of games as a defensive midfielder last season, but that was alongside often Moises Caicedo. And you've got to consider the dynamic in that scenario. You know, Caicedo is the one who's basically, he's got the defensive awareness. He's the one who's tasked most of all with, you know, breaking up play and actually doing that, you know, shielding of the back four. So it surprised me a bit that Klopp is content at the moment with McAllister as the first choice number six, um, especially because Endo was his signing. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't an FSG signing. It wasn't a Schmacker signing. That was that was a Klopp signing from from everything we can tell. So we'll see how that develops. Um, in terms of McAllister's performance today, I think clearly that probably played a part what was happening in the international break. My my concern is that you know the the things that were wrong for him today were kind of the sloppiness really in possession, and you know may, maybe making fouls. Obviously, you know you mentioned he got booked early on. That for me has been the the slight recurring theme so far in his Liverpool career, um, and let's you know get it straight. You know he's played five games um, for for the club. You know I'm not remotely concerned. You know I'm I still think he's going to prove to be one of one of the better signings of the transfer window. It's just you know I think compared to someone like Sabozlai, and that's obviously maybe an unfair marker for him. You know Sabozlai's made this flying start, maybe a mix, more mixed game for him today, but. But still, I think McAllister, we're not seeing the version of McAllister we expect to see um, when, when he came in or, or that we probably will see later in the season. So I'm not worried, but also not maybe hugely impressed. Um, as for the rest of the first half, the goal was absolutely horrific, honestly. Like, I was, I was yeah, in disbelief that it was five, we had five defenders back. And they had two attackers. There's absolutely no way that that should end up in the back of the net. Like, I don't care if you've not got Van Dijk or Canate. Neto literally just stood there and was like, there's, there's three Liverpool defenders in front of me. And I think they just thought, oh, he's not going to take us on. We, we've outnumbered them. And then he literally just waltzed through them. Plays the ball across, which I think Robertson should clear. And then nothing about it makes sense as a goal. I mean, even the angle that Huang's scoring from. Um, I think it was one of... Probably one of the worst goals I've seen Liverpool concede, you know, even going back to last season, which is um, obviously there was plenty to choose from last year. Um, so, yeah, I think the first half kind of exposed, you know, Matip and Gomez, I thought, really good against Newcastle, really good against Aston Villa. Um, but you cannot rely on consistent performances from those players. But Liverpool might have to do that because of the risk they've taken with their centre-backs in the transfer market, which is a problem. I think we saw that in the first half. Again, maybe a reason to temper optimism as well because that is a hole in the squad, unfortunately. I think you've already mentioned how effective Neto was. Um, the way, the joy he was finding in those counter-attacking situations was very reminiscent of last season. And the whole half was, to be honest. Um, I thought... Liverpool were struggling to retain the ball. Carlester was a, a culprit for that, obviously. A few other players as well. This idea of inverting Joe Gomez when they were trying to build up from the back. Klopp, Klopp needs to realise that he only has one Trent Alexander-Arnold, really, <laughs> yeah. because he's tried to invert um, Costa Simakas in pre-season now and, and Joe Gomez in this game. And I think he needs to have a better plan B, um, to be honest. That's maybe a discussion fully for another day. And yeah, you know, you mentioned those chances at the end of the half. Probably should have scored. Um, there was one for Gakpo as well, where he just doesn't get his, his technique right. 
but I think there was a, they were the only shots on target of the whole first half, which was quite um, quite damning. But like you say, Chris, everything changed in the second half, and how did that happen in your eyes? The instruction of Luis Diaz, certainly. Um, I know how people could say, well, he's done a lot of travelling as well, but I've I've probably looked at myself in the past and realised I haven't given Luis Diaz enough credit for just how much of an impact he has on this Liverpool team. And you were right on the last podcast, Dave, because I'm I'm with you on it, where the front three, I think, will be the case more often than not, is Salah Gapo Diaz. And how direct Luis Diaz is, is so old-fashioned, it's brilliant. Because I saw a TikTok like this week about old-fashioned wingers used to get the ball and drive and take take um, fullbacks on a bit like Neto did in the first half, but you know, they they just be relentless towards the fullbacks. And nowadays, a modern day winger just takes two touches and then passes the ball back and retains possession and all this. But Lewis, the reason why Lewis Diaz is a difference maker is because he's prepared to get things wrong in order to get things right. And I think you saw that how how much he got involved the first goal how intricate it was. It doesn't happen if he doesn't make the option for Zabozlai to pass inside. Of course, there's a bit of a ricochet, but then it all ends up with Salah crossing for Gakpo. But that happens because Luis Diaz creates the fear, creates the opportunities. And then overall, yeah, you have to say the, the substitutions again, similar to the win at Newcastle, Klopp got them absolutely spot on. Harvey Elliott making a big impact again. Uh, it, it, it's funny because you don't want to be known as someone that just makes an impact off the bench, but at the moment, that's what Harvey is doing so well. Um, warrants, very much warrants a start um, in Austria in the week. Um, absolutely. I'd be very, very surprised if he didn't start uh, away to last. Um, but then, again, uh, you just kind of sense Wolves sitting back, sitting back, sitting back, and that's where the, the the second goal came from where Robertson picks it up, almost wanders just almost unnoticed. And maybe everybody's thinking because he's a right fullback coming through the inside, a left fullback coming through the inside right channel, oh, he's not going to make any impact. Oh, he scored. So um, I just think Liverpool took the game more to Wolves. They showed the authority that a higher quality team should be showing. And they realised as Wolves were sitting off, that was the time to to really make a difference. And again, Nunez's impact off the bench as well. It's not a foul in the build-up for the third goal. It's just him using his strength. And it's actually quite refreshing to see a referee not give that in this day and age when someone goes down in, in that kind of scenario. But again, um, I know we didn't score, but overall just giving Wolves something to think of at the back. Uh, another player who I'd be surprised if he didn't start against Austria, uh, sorry, uh, against Lask rather in Austria. Um, but overall, just the changes really were what created the big impacts in the second half. And if Jurgen Klopp can continue to get his substitutions right when it's not going well, maybe we're getting a sense that Klopp is kind of back to his old self as well. Because I think it's fair to say at times last season his substitutions could be questioned. But at the moment, so far this season, I'd say he's got them pretty spot on. Do you know what? I think you're absolutely bang on uh, with that point about Jurgen Klopp. Um, 
you know, you need players to return to form from last year, but you need your manager to return to form as well. I think it'd probably be fair to say. And I think he, he's won Liverpool the games to a degree against against Newcastle and, and against Wolves. Obviously relied on some brilliant finishing from, from Nunez um, against Newcastle, but I think he got that one spot on, like you mentioned. And today, today he needed to do something radical at half-time, I think, because of how bad it was in the first half. I mean, he, he said WTF was kind of his overriding um, thoughts <laughs> on, on those first 45 minutes. So, goes to this formation we've never seen with technically with this side um with the sort of 4231 with Sabaz Lyon Jones as as your two as your defensive midfield too which to be honest I'm not gonna lie on paper when I saw that I was like we've just been left incredibly exposed in the first half and now you're putting two number eight slash number tens as your as your number sixes I thought maybe a bit of a recipe for disaster but no I think in a strange way the bolder a, a change and the more concerned you are about it, you know, the more impressed you have to be when it pays off. And it certainly did today. I'm not, you know, I don't fully know maybe why it worked so well. I think part of it was, you know, with that extra attack of Wolves were forced deeper. You know, they were suffocated in kind of the, the fashion that Liverpool always want to do to opponents. Um, and that suited Liverpool a lot more because the Wolves weren't getting those kinds of attacking opportunities. And, and the defender from the front was a lot better. So I think maybe kind of having that, added presence in the front line um, and maybe that more aggressive approach helped in that regard. Um, and yeah, I think Sobersly struggled in the first half, but really, you know, did well, you know, distributing the ball from those deeper areas in the second. And um, yeah, I can only back up what you say as well when it comes to the the actual individual subs. I mean, the, the whole Dawson thing with, with the, uh, the third goal, I just look at that and think, you know what? It's good to see Darwin Nunez actually using his strength for once because, yeah, as a number nine, you know he's really, you know, he is a bit of a unit. But the only kind of physical attribute we talk about with him is his pace. We never talk about kind of his strength really. And I remember looking last season his aerial duel numbers and and that were were really poor for a player of his stature. So that was I just find that really good to see. Just you know taking the ball with his back to goal throwing his man to the ground by what whatever means, just about saying within the realms of the law. And then obviously setting Liverpool on the route to the goal as well. And I think we need to see much more of that from him. And it's a way that he can kind of distinguish himself uh, within the current set of attacking options. So I think with, with Nunez as well, if you're a centre-half, you wouldn't want to be playing against him. So he needs to get that into his mindset of, if people don't want to be playing against me, good because that means I can try and exploit them for, for moments like that and he is so good in so many aspects it's just polishing the diamond putting it all together and he's going to have brilliant moments this season I really really do think he will and I think it's important that he realises that he has got other things apart from this pace apart from this chaotic if you want to reuse that phrase again and again um mantra he's got so much more about him and the sooner he realizes that the better player he'll become yeah and you know i mentioned wolves dropping deeper i think part of the reason they did that was because they know about the threat of nunez in behind which i mean gakpo scored but he doesn't really offer that and i think gakpo is a bit betwixt in between today in the sense that you know he maybe wants to be this player who's dropping off doesn't necessarily make runs in behind but if you're going to do that, you need to be a lot more involved in the game than he was. Um, 
certainly before he scored, and it was obviously quite strange to see him score, and then the next time, the very next frame, he's, he's coming off the pitch. But that, that change worked as well. Another bold call from take off someone who has just scored. Um, and then he goes and obviously justifies it with, with what happens afterwards. Um, in terms of individual performances among those who started the game, I think the standout and Liverpool's official player of the match was Mohamed Salah. Assists the first two goals. Doesn't get the assist for the third because um, it's been given as an own goal. Uh, for Bueno, but that's four assists in his first five matches now for this season, and he's on course for another big um, haul in that regard, having previously won the Playmaker Award. Do you think it shows just how difficult it's going to be to replace Mohamed Salah, Chris? Because we're talking about someone who's obviously got these, you know, crazy goal numbers, you know, averaging, I think, about 30 a season, but also, you know, the creativity over the last few years has just been consistently excellent from him as well. I think it's showing me that I made a grave, grave error not having him in my fantasy team. <laughs> the start of this season, I've got two free transfers and I think I'm going to have to rip up my team and do something. He's returned in every game. He's returned every game. And I don't get where the idea that he's suffering some sort of drop-off is coming from. I, I get I get he might, he might not get the goal numbers this year because he is playing extremely wide or certainly did today he played I've never you know even last season I don't think I've seen him play this far wide as I did today but it's it's his intelligence it's knowing where to play the pass it's knowing how to play the pass it's the weight of the pass like Robertson he knows where Robertson's going but it's how to play that pass so perfectly that Saar can't come out to it and Robertson can open up his left foot and tuck it into the near post. And we're talking about genuinely one of the most intelligent players in Premier League history. Still arguably one of the most underrated, really. Um, I know I've started to see people saying they'll have Salah in their all-time Premier League eleven, And I think he's got more than the case for that if you're if you're you know just sticking to a three four three three um and putting him on that right wing and is this a change of a role for Salah possibly because I'm pretty sure um I know we like our XG I'm pretty sure his I know we had the the shot in the first half that led to the Sabozla effort but I'm pretty sure his XG numbers won't have been amazing over the last couple of weeks. I know the goal against Villa was from close range, so that might have spiked it a bit. But I don't think his XG numbers will be quite as high as they will have been in recent seasons. But is that an adaptation of the role? If so, he's playing it really well because he's getting assists, he's getting contributions. And it's a sour now that with the Europa League, if this is to be his last year at Liverpool, you'd argue unless Liverpool get to the latter stages of the Europa League, he will be focusing solely on the Premier League and getting Liverpool back into the Champions League. Is that a blessing in disguise? Quite possibly. But again, it's a different kind of Salah. Maybe not the swashbuckling, goal-scoring Salah of old, but it's a Salah that Liverpool fans really, really should be embracing because you're seeing just, just a master at work. Yeah, I completely agree with that. He is he's kind of just like a timeless legend in a way. And um, you just, you know, almost have to sit back and appreciate, I think, is the stance you've got to take on it. Um, I did just check the XG numbers there while you were talking, Chris, and it was only um, 0.24 today. So 
yeah, you know, in terms of not maybe getting the, the chances to score. But one thing that Salah's really kind of done in his game is make sure that he finds ways to impact matches without necessarily being that goal threat. Because to be honest, I mean, in the first half, I thought eight already pocketed him <laughs> to, to be to be blunt. But obviously, you know, he had a bit of support maybe from other players and Wolves were doing well in that regard. But again, he's got this incredible knack and I'm watching games and I'm like, God, Salah's struggling here. And then at the end, it's like, oh, he's got two goal involvements today. He's got <laughs> goal a couple of assists or whatever. Um, and that's just, you know, he, he is quite robotic at times. Um, and he said about another one or two against Villa as well in terms of yeah. assists. Yeah, ex- exactly. I mean, you know, we're talking last season about a player who I think was only second to Kevin De Bruyne in the assist charts. Um, and a lot of, you know, for example, a lot of the chances that Darwin Nunez missed, the big chances were, were created by Mohamed Salah. So really, you know, if his teammates are clinical, the numbers could be um, stratospheric, I think. Um, I think you had quite a good, a, a good point as well there, Chris, in terms of like, it's about kind of executing those passes. And I think... So you know, sometimes you see these assists from Salah where he's playing a defense splitting ball, and it's like, wow, what a pass! And then there's ones today, maybe like the one fit for Gakpo, for example, where it's like, looks pretty straightforward. But you've got to consider that like there's so many ingredients that that go into it. You know, there's composure, there's decision making, executing it, like you say. And I think if the assists were easy, they'd be a lot easier to come by. And and there's a reason that like not many players in the Premier League get over 10 assists, but Salah's been able to kind of do that year on year, really. And he's obviously up to 200 Premier League goal involvements now. I think the only player in the history of the competition who's done it quicker is Thierry Henry. So if we're talking about all-time Premier League 11s, then it's pretty much, it's going increasingly difficult to deny him that spot. Um, We had a first ever Premier League start today for one of the Liverpool players in um, Gerald Kwanzaa. Klopp decided that even though Canate had had a couple of training sessions that he was going to back Kwanzaa rather than risking Canate, which is maybe fair enough given um, Canate's injury history. So how do you think he did, Chris? Excellent. Excellent. Thought he was really good. When you look back a couple of seasons, you remember when Jordan Henderson was filling in at centre-half alongside Ozan Kabak, and it took Klopp until very late on in the season when he literally had no choice to start playing Nat Phillips and Reese Williams together and ultimately got Liverpool over the line in terms of getting into the top four, getting into the Champions League. I think today showed how much confidence he's got in Kwanzaa to go, right, Canate's fit enough for the bench, but I've got enough faith in you to start you. And I agree with you totally in terms of another centre-back, I think, would have been the key for Liverpool really challenging at the top of the Premier League this season. The specialist centre-back, I know Quanta is one, but we will only know his quality the more he plays. Um, hopefully he's okay, obviously. Um, maybe he was feeling it a bit towards the end uh, on his on his first Premier League start, but I really don't know what more you could have asked him. Um, you could say maybe Cunha... Used a little bit of experience to kind of peel away from him at the back post for that opportunity, but still he, he showed enough awareness to clear it, and that's all you can ask for. I think he showed composure on the ball. Um, he didn't look didn't look phased. You you wouldn't have been able to tell it was a lad playing his first Premier League game, um, and I think that's probably the biggest compliment that that you can pay him. I think going back to the Europa League podcast, <laughs> I've, I've said to you afterwards that. 
little bit maybe a little bit too much rotation for my money, but I do think he'll see play in that. I certainly think he'll play against Leicester in the Carabao Cup um, next midweek. Um, but I think he's someone that Klopp. It's nice for a young player to know that Klopp has no qualms about throwing you in to a situation like that. And I think he'll only continue to grow. And by the way, he's a unit. Absolute unit. Yeah, and I think, you know, sometimes the with centre-back these days, people look at them and they're like, as long as they're sort of good on the ball, strong, you know, good in the air, reasonably quick. Sometimes people are just like, oh, there, there's your modern centre-back. People kind of overlook, you know, the fundamentals of you know on the defensive side. And Kwanzaa obviously has all those ingredients I talked about earlier, but, you know, I thought he did the basics defensively really well today, which, again, it, it doesn't sound like a huge compliment, but maybe the, the players either side of him weren't necessarily doing that. Um, I thought on the ball, you know, one of, obviously one of the reasons he's he's in this position to be starting against Liverpool is that he is, he is good in possession and he looked so, so composed, like you say, Chris. I mean, I was surprised Klopp took the, the risk still of, of putting Canate on the bench, but... Um, if any, and it was it was Matip who should have who should have been on the bench. <laughs> I have to say, not not Kwanzaa. Um, I've all, I've all, sorry, I've always said that if you're fit enough to if you're fit enough to be on the bench, you should expect to be involved. Yeah, yeah and obviously he did have to have to come on at the end. Um, I think if it was maybe a different if it was Virgil Van Dijk and in that position with with his fitness, I think he probably does start. I just think there's a bit of wariness about Canate's uh, history. Really, um, the best moment for me. Uh, for Kwanzaa was he steps out of defence to intercept the ball, um, carries it into midfield and just offloads it to Sabaslai. And it was just a really composed, really alert piece of defending. And I think it kind of captured his performance today. And um, just to shed some light on what Chris was saying, obviously in the Europa League podcast, we um, we were kind of doing our lineups for the group stage. You can go back and listen to that. It's our previous episode. And I said that I thought Kwanzaa should be in the team. And then Chris put a message in our group chat saying um, he thought it was maybe a bit too a bit too risky. Um, I mean, may the apologies be as loud as the disrespect based, based, <laughs> on, based on that performance today. But um, yeah, it, it's one game. It's one game and, and a couple of shoot appearances, but we will see if Klopp um, puts him in the team on Thursday. I certainly, like you, Chris, think he will be starting against there. Uh, Leicester in the Carabao Cup, if not on else. Um, just to finish off then, uh, let's just quickly maybe touch on one or two other players who who deserve a special mention today, Chris. Is there anyone else for you? Yeah, uh, I mentioned Harvey Elliott, of course. I just think his cameos have been really, really impressive and really, really effective this season. Um, I haven't really given Randy Robertson enough credit, really. Um, there's been doubt about his status in this Liverpool team. Yes, because of his slightly different role, but Again, I thought he just showed why he's still one of the best around. And it is it's just a, such an integral part of this Liverpool team. And he only had a very brief cameo, but I was more than happy with what I saw from Ryan Gravenberg as well. Um, I, I've read that he's made a real effort to integrate himself for such a young man, which is great to see. Of course, I think there was a bit of a falling out at the Holland level, but I'm sure that'll all blow over. They've surely got to appreciate he hardly played for Bayern Munich this year. He's going to really make it a club level again. He has to kind of make some sacrifices, and he's, he's not, not going to play for the national team ever again. So I'm sure he'll take that on the chin. Uh, 
and the other 21s as well. Um, but yeah, I was really happy with him. I thought he was really composed. Ball, uh, some ball winning as well. So I think um, just a cameo, but uh, I think some nice early signs to see from Ryan Gravenberg. Yeah, I thought he was going to score at one point. He uh, yeah, that would, that would have area. Off. I think he uh, maybe overplayed that chance a little bit. Um, but it was good to see him get some minutes. And obviously, the question now is, you know, is he going to get the start on Thursday, or is it going to be deemed a little bit too soon? Still, um, maybe it's maybe an ideal opportunity to give him a significant amount of minutes. Regardless, um, I would also just mention Robertson. Obviously, captain the team today on his his two hundredth Premier League appearance for Liverpool. I think he looked like probably maybe Salah aside the most likely player to like create something for Liverpool. Um, I think he did. I think there was a chance he teed up for Diaz, another one for Gakpo, and they were, they were both presentable opportunities when he got forward. I think he enjoyed in the second half. I think in that four-two-three-one, maybe it was kind of what he was used to in terms of he could actually get forward into that final third without having to worry about being this sort of centre back. Um, when uh, Liverpool has the ball, and he definitely enjoyed that. And um, I think, obviously, we'll see what the template is going for, but a, a very strong showing from Robertson today. After, obviously, I criticised him for the the Wolves' goal, but I think, you know, he made amends, certainly, at the other end. So, I think we'll leave it there uh, for this podcast. Um, if you have enjoyed it, please do give us a five-star review. Uh, we would really, really appreciate it, and it does help us out. Um and remember, if you follow the podcast and press the notification button, um, it'll appear in your feed and you'll get a message every time we post a new episode. And we'll be back after the game against Last Liverpool's Europa League opener. So make sure you join us then for the next episode of the Red Zone Restricted.